When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. we celebrate simply that he is risen. Uh, that's what we celebrate together today. Uh, you can see it all around you. Uh, there's something special in the air. There's just something that feels different about this day. Uh, I don't know if you do this. I know we do. Uh, you know, we have, we have young kids. We have one in students and one in journey kids. And on Sundays when we drive home uh, from school, after we've had the can we go to Rose's argument in the car, um, which I know you have as well. Um, although they always want Chick-fil-A. I always laugh at them. I say, we can get Chick-fil-A. And, uh, and then they tell me I'm hateful and all kinds of stuff. But after we've had that argument, we always ask our kids, hey, what did you, what did you learn about at church today? And then they'll, they'll tell us something. Well, a couple of weeks ago, our students are serving in, uh, in, in, with our Journey Kids today. It's a great place for them to just serve, be a part of it. So Emery told us, our youngest told us, hey, this is what she learned, and this is the craft and everything. We were like, great. And then Ella was trying to tell us they'd learned about, you know, the death and resurrection of Jesus because obviously they weren't going to be in there today. So as she's telling us the story, she says, you know, and then after three days, uh, the tomb rolled away. And we were like, I was like, what, what, do you, what do you mean? She goes, you know, like they got up and they went there and the tomb had rolled away. <laughs> and we were just, and she couldn't, she just kept, couldn't, and we were like, okay, so what, like, bye, Jesus? I mean, what was, what was going on in this thing? Um, so it kind of became a family joke that Easter is the time where we celebrate the tomb rolling away. Um, so that's, uh, that's kind of fun. But we're glad that you're here today. Uh, this is always a very, uh, a very special Sunday because I think it's a Sunday where everything comes back to zero, everything get, gets back to normal, and we start to realize what our lives are supposed to be, especially what our lives of faith are supposed to be as well. If I ask you to reflect just for a moment, to think about what were some of the best moments in your life, what are some things that were your life's best moments. And if you think about them for a minute, it's not hard to kind of weed out what the best moments in your life are. Maybe it's, uh, a, you know, a birthday that you had that you wanted or you got something that you really wanted. Uh, maybe it was the day that you graduated high school or maybe graduated college or when you got your first job. 
Or maybe when you asked somebody to marry you and they said yes. Or maybe it was the day you got married. Or the day that you welcomed your kids into the world. Uh, Maybe it was the day that you got that promotion that you'd waited on. There's a lot of things in our lives that we could say, these were some of my, my best moments. And they all seem to have something in common. They have to do with life. They have to do with something positive and powerful taking place in our lives. Conversely, if I asked you, what are some of the worst moments in your life? You might say, hmm, when I faced a, a disappointment as a child. Maybe it was the day that mom and dad sat down and explained to us that their marriage was ending. Or maybe it was the, the day that my marriage ended. Or maybe it was, maybe it was the day that I got fired. Or I, I got looked over for a promotion. Or maybe it was the day that I had to bury my spouse or my parents or my siblings or, God forbid, my children. Most of our worst days have something to do with loss and usually something to do with death. It's something that every person in the world can relate to. We can relate to great moments and we can relate to tough moments. Now, if I asked you a question and said, What is the greatest resurrection story in the Bible? We would all answer probably the same thing, especially since it's Easter Sunday, and it sounds like somewhat of a loaded question. Most people would say the greatest resurrection in the Bible is the resurrection of Jesus. And that's kind of true. The implications of the resurrection of Jesus are the biggest implications. The only problem with it is this. Nobody sees it. It happens in darkness in the shadows. The only witnesses are God and Jesus. Nobody actually gets to see it. And I think the reason behind that is because there's a lesson about resurrection in the midst of the way that Jesus was raised. Resurrection is not just an event. It is an experience. Now you say, what does that mean? Today we are not celebrating something that happened thousands of years. Yes, we are celebrating that. That's what Easter is for. But it's not just an event. Resurrection is something that we should experience. In fact, there's a few stories in the Gospels about resurrection. Actually, there's a lot of stories in the Gospel about resurrection. Not always resurrection from the dead. And I'm going to explain that to you today as well. There's a time where Jesus calls his, uh, a few of his disciples. And there's a little girl who has just died. I mean, maybe minutes or hours before. And he takes them in and he raises her to life. And that is a great resurrection story. But the greatest resurrection story in all of the Bible is found in John chapter 11 with a guy named Lazarus. Jesus is friends with Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. They're they're close friends. And Lazarus gets sick and he dies. And the disciples, before he dies, they say, maybe we should go so you could help him. And he says, no, I need to stay here for a little longer. Lazarus ends up dying. He waits four days. So Lazarus is really dead. He goes there. I mean, he's like, he's not just dead, he's like dead, okay? You know what I mean. We're in Texas, you know what I mean. Um, Like, he's really dead. And Jesus gathers the crowd and says, okay, I want you to roll away the stone. And resurrection is not just about an event. It's what he wants the people there to experience the resurrection. And it's an echo or a shadow of what will happen in his own life except nobody will see it. When people see the resurrection of Jesus, he wants them to think about it in terms of the resurrection of Lazarus. There are other stories in the Bible that are tied to 
to resurrection, but this is the most powerful one. This is a story of how death turns into life, how the worst moment becomes the best moment. There's another story that we all know as well that's also about resurrection. It's the story of the prodigal that we find in Luke chapter 15. The man who has two sons and the one goes away. And then there is this reunion, this homecoming, as the words of that song talk about. And there's this embrace between father and child. It is a resurrection moment. It is not just a reunion. And what we need to learn is that resurrection, yes, is about death and life, but resurrection is also about something that is lost that then is found. This is, this is why we have to start seeing resurrection not as something that happened, but something that happens. Resurrection is not just about death. It is also about finding what has been lost. This is why at the end of Luke 15, when the son has made his way back to the father, the father proclaims these words, for this child of mine was dead and is alive again, was lost and now is found, and then they celebrate together. Resurrection is death and life, lost and found, and both of those things lead to celebration. That's why we celebrate Easter. You ever wonder why we use that language? We celebrate Easter because it represents these things in our lives. Now, resurrection is not just an event. It is something that we need to experience. And so today, uh, my hope is that you, we will together, we will have this you know, experience of resurrection together. So I want to do that by telling you guys, uh, telling you guys a personal story. And uh, maybe in the midst of that, you'll find your own story and we'll, we'll understand resurrection a little bit better. I was about 10 years old and, uh, and I got a watch when I was about 10 years old. Remember these? Fantastic, right? You were a big player if you had one. <laughs> Let me tell you. Actually, no, the watch that I really wanted looked like this. You remember? Remember these, right? I don't quite know why I would need a calculator. Like, I, I wasn't planning on being a mathematician or an accountant or anything. So, you know, I guess I, I, I don't quite know. Like, let me just, like at the grocery store, and you can never push the buttons correctly, even though this is the watch. You were, you, you were really, you know, you, you were really in the good crowd if you had one of these. But they were way too expensive, right? Actually, wh one of the things I really wanted was, was one of these. Uh, I mean, I had a small Swiss Army knife. You guys know what I mean, like with the four things. But I wanted the bigger one that, uh, that, that had a few extras. You know, I wasn't a big wine drinker at uh, age 10, but the corkscrew, I guess you had the option for wine or beer with the uh, bottle opener. So it just gives you a lot of choices. I love the fact that it had a saw on it. Don't you love that? We'd love to be like at a Christmas tree cutting party and some old ladies having a hard time and say, ma'am, let me just get that for you like MacGyver. Let me just take care. Oh, I hooked a nail. Well, luckily I have a nail file right here and there happens to be a pair of tweezers as well. Uh, this was really a, a cool thing, what I really wanted. But I digress, okay? I got the watch. That's, that's what I got. And my watch was getting a little old and whatnot. And I remember one year, it might have been a Christmas or a birthday or something like that, I think my mom bought my dad a new watch. And he had a fancier watch that looked like this. You remember these older kind of watches? And he gave me his watch. And this was kind of a big deal. I like watches, I'm sure you do too, but this was, this was different than the one that I had, the one that was made out of plastic and rubber. This was a fancy watch. 
And I remember we had a size and it fit me great. And I was so proud and so happy to wear this watch. And I had the speech from my parents like, now this is a big deal and you need to take care of this and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is great. And I remember I wore that watch to school that first week. It might have been two or three days later, I wore that watch to school. In the middle of our school day, we would have our PE period. So we'd go to the locker room, put on shorts, you know, we, we had all these other things, and we would go and do PE. We would do PE where we had our general assemblies, like a room similar to this. And there was a table right down in the front, and, and you, you had to take off your watches. And I took my watch off, and I put it on the table, you know, your medallions, tennis bracelet, whatever else you had, you know, you put it on the table. I didn't wear a tennis bracelet, don't worry. Um, I did have an anklet for a while, but that's really another story. Let's not talk about that. Um, um, you, you've seen, you know what I mean. Um, anyway, put it down there, went and did PE. The bell rings at the end of the period. And I run up to the table to get my watch. And it's gone. It's lost. I tell the teacher. I go back, change back into my school clothes. I'm looking through my bag. Maybe I didn't do it. I'm hoping maybe I just misremembered and I didn't actually wear it today when I get home. But I realize it's gone. And then I have to tell my parents and say, hey, this is what happened. I put my watch where I was supposed to. Somebody took it. It's obvious. I didn't have it. And then this is as parents when you get the, this is why we never give you nice things speech because you lose it. I had done nothing wrong. I'd, done, I'd followed every rule. I'd done what they'd asked me to do. And you know that feeling when something is lost, when something is gone, when you don't have it, and you think, oh, no, it's not a nice feeling. It's in the depths of your soul. It's right in here. And I'd lost this watch, this watch that I'd wanted for a long time that had been given and entrusted to me. I'd lost it. It was probably uh, about a year, almost a year later. I know, I remember because I was in a different grade. And it was just a regular, regular day. Had PE period. Went to PE, got changed. You know, ran in. We kind of stood in these lines. I ran by the watch table. And on the table was my watch. And I remember that feeling. I was like, there it is. I mean, I knew what had happened. Everybody knew what had happened. I went and did PE. And I made sure that I was kind of close to the table so that at the end of that period... As soon as the bell rang, I sprinted over, and I picked up that watch, and I stood there right next to the table. And lo and behold, here comes one of the kids looking for a watch. And he's looking, and he looks confused. I said, is this what you're looking for? And he said, hey, that's my watch. And I said, no, it's mine. And he said, no, it's mine. I said, it's not. It's my watch. You stole it. You took it. It's mine. It's coming with me. It's a bit of a bigger kid. Try to, try to be a little intimidating. I said, I'll tell you what. We're going to go down, put, back, no, put our clothes back on. I'm going to go to the principal's office, and we can see, he can sort it out. If he tells me it's your watch, I'll give it back to you. I, got, I went down. I got dressed quicker than I probably ever, get, ever got dressed in my life. I, I got in the hallway, and I said, let's go. And I started walking down the hall to the principal's office. Got about halfway there, and he stopped me, and he said, hey, 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 it's, it's your watch. You can have it. You can have it. I wasn't I going to, even if he had started pummeling, I would not have let, let that go. And he said, what are you going to do? What are you gonna? And I said, I don't know yet. And I kept walking to the principal's office. But I didn't go to the principal's office. There was a pay phone there. And I called my mom and I said, I found my watch. And she said, this couldn't have waited until after school. And I said, no. <laughs> I found my watch. Uh, it, was a, it, was a good, it was a good moment. 
That's kind of what it means when it says he is risen. There's some excitement in that moment that says that's not the end of the story. See, resurrection is not just the opposite of death. It is about finding what has been lost. You know, our life, we can often think about our lives as being a series of maybe a few of our best moments and a few of our worst moments and think that's what life really is, and that's not true. Those are kind of on the fringes of where we live. And if you read the Bible, one of the things that you learn about experiencing resurrection is that resurrection is not just the opposite of death, it is finding what has been lost, but resurrection closes the gap between our best and worst moments. Resurrection is what happens all the way in between this. If you're at your worst and you have lost or you're experiencing death, resurrection is what walks you back to the best moment. And if you're at a best moment and coming down from that, you live in the place of resurrection. You see, what we learn when we read scripture is that resurrection finds us when we're lost. Resurrection forgives us of our sin, which would lead us to death. And it forges our lives. When you have experienced resurrection, it changes the way you live. You can't live the same way. Resurrection is not just, a, is not just about death and life. It's about lost and found. But resurrection is also fighting so that what, will lo- what was lost will never be lost again. I will tell you something. That, that guy... He would have had to pry that watch out of my cold, dead hands because I wasn't letting it go. I was going to get that back because it was mine. And I was not going to give it up without a fight. Sometimes in our faith, we wander away, we get lost. But when you come and you give your life to the Lord, and he stands there, and somebody, the enemy says, hey, that's mine. He says, it's not. It's my father's and I will get it back. And I will not give it up without a fight. And sometimes we forget that when we, when we think about our faith, when we think about resurrection. Listen, when you read the end of the Gospels, you see Jesus becoming the Lamb of God, but the Lamb has become the Lion in resurrection, and Jesus will not let you go without a fight. He will hold on to you, and He will ward off anything. He will take one for the team, but He will not let you go. This is why Paul, when he writes in 1 Corinthians, death has been swallowed up in victory all because of Jesus. Jesus has a hold of you, and he will hold you tight, because he does not want you to slip into one of your worst moments. He wants you to experience resurrection. I know we don't always feel that way. Sometimes we we feel lost. But I want you to know he will not let you go. That's why resurrection is not just an event that we celebrate that happened a couple of thousand years ago. It's something that happens every single day in our lives. We get to see God. We get to watch him walk with us. And no matter what, fight for us to be free because we're his and we're precious and we belong to the father and he's not letting us go without a fight that's what conquering death means 
on Easter Sunday in the shadows, in the darkness, which is where all conversion takes place. Jesus took up his life so that we could take up ours. And that's what resurrection is. It's about living into the story of God, knowing that he has us, knowing that he has led the way to life, and we follow him. That's what Easter is. Father, today, thank you for meeting us in this place. Thank you that we can tell simple stories, but stories that reveal who you are and what you're doing. Father, I just pray uh, today in this moment, maybe, maybe today our hearts need to be reminded that there is new life every, every minute of every day because of the resurrection. As we look at the, the trees, that are budding and blossoming, God, we see new life emerging from something that appears dead. And maybe sometimes when we look in the mirror, we, we see the reflection looking back at us and we think, I'm lost or I'm dead or I'm, I'm not quite what I used to be. But Father, we know that you are the one who brings new life into us. Father, today, may it not just be the celebration of an event, but may this be a moment where we experience resurrection in its fullness. As we come into your presence, as we make our way into your presence, God, may we start with the simple anthem that just says, holy, 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 because that's who you are. May we use today as a moment to step more fully into resurrection. We thank you, Jesus, for giving your life, and we thank you, God, for raising him from the dead. May we experience resurrection this morning. We pray this all through Jesus. And the church together said,